Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com, and this is the 73rd episode of the podcast. Yes, we are two weeks away from our 75th episode, which will coincide, I believe, math isn't my strong suit, with the 12th anniversary of thepopbreak.com, which is pretty wild. And a man who I'm joined by two people who have been with me for a very, very long time on that 12-year run. First, he is my co-host. He is currently sort of watching football while doing this sort of, it, listen, it's the it's the Bucks and the Cowboys. Tom Brady's in postseason form already. We've already seen it. It's ludicrous. He's, a, he, he's the worst, but also pretty great. Um, but you know who's also the worst and pretty great? Al Manorino. Here he is, buddy. I love this guy. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, even though you were here last week. Uh, the, the worst, but pretty great. I hope that is like what's on my tombstone. I think I wanted to, I wanted great. to, I wanted to be what Royal Tenenbaums on the Royal Tenenbaums, uh, saved his family from a sinking ship. That's what's going to be on mine. No. Uh, yep. And Al and I will be out. I'll be seeing Al real soon in, uh, less about a week or so. The See Here Now Music Festival headlined by Pearl Jam, Smashing Pumpkins, and the Avid Brothers in Asbury Park. That's going to be pretty rad. We'll be podcasting about that and our experience real soon. You forgot to mention Billy Idol. Oh, Billy Billy Idol. And, of course, a lot of our friends from the local scene who have uh, performed on pop break Christmas shows of days past. Uh, I think we're not going to have one of those till 2022, sadly. So... But we, not sadly, we are joined by one of the longest running staff writers on the site. Uh, you have read him talking about Transformers, about Monday Night Raw, AEW, you name it. He's talked about it. The Hebrew Hammer, Michael Dworkis, making his very quick return to the podcast. Welcome back, buddy. Thanks for having me. I mean, we're talking comics. Why not? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, we're not starting. <laughs> This, this run me a curveball here. But my question to you guys is what if we started this? What if podcast oh, wow. by talking about the new matrix trailer? That's right. One of the most talked about things in pop culture, matrix resurrection coming out December 22nd on HBO max. I know we are a Disney plus stand podcast, but sometimes we got to talk about HBO max because they got some good stuff. And this is one of them, the long awaited follow-up to the vaunted matrix series, something Al's never watched despite being a pop culture enthusiast. And I hope to God, Al, what we're going to do one episode, we're going to, you and I will watch the matrix and then discuss it. How's that? Wow. Let's do That's this. Crazy. That's crazy. Um, let's do it. I'd ra- I was going to say, I'd rather watch Point Pleasant. No, uh, no, I have to watch it. I'm excited to watch it. I mean, Point Pleasant was just it was great. The best episode ever. <laughs> great episode. I think we should just do it. We should watch episode two for like the I was gonna, Every year we should just keep watching the series. I like that. Just like one episode. Now it's going to happen. Um, so only yeah, for us. Only for like the only two people listen to it. 70 for you guys, one for us. That's that's how we do it in the boom. So let's talk this trailer. So, Mike, I'll start with you real quick. Um, since Al's never watched the Matrix movies, uh, what's your relationship with this film series? I've seen all three movies. I've seen the uh, Animatrix anthology. Not everyone can make that claim. Okay. 
I hope that's a good claim to make. And I'm not, oh yeah, not yeah. Being, I, I've only great. seen parts. I've only great. seen parts of it. Um, you know, I really enjoy the Animatrix. I like the little short stories in there because honestly, I really thought the second and third movies really, really sucked. You and most people, except for a few people of our friends on Twitter. You know what? We might have them on to defend the Matrix sequels. Who knows? Go for it, Twitter. Let me have it. Oh, trust me. Most Twitter will agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, so I think it's a consensus. Consensus. Thank you. Consensus. Uh, he, he was a former English major, people. Uh, you were. I'm not. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to hide my deficiencies mm-hmm. by just projecting onto you, uh, as I always do. So, Mike, tell me about your thoughts on the Matrix Resurrection trailer. Gonna be honest, and I'm sure I wasn't the only one that thought this, but I, I was thinking, was John Wick in therapy? Should be. I mean, it, that's what it looked like. Uh, I was surprised by uh, Neil Patrick Harris uh, opening up the uh, trailer. Big fan of Neil Patrick, mostly from uh, his st- his uh, uh, time as uh, Barney Stinson on How I Met Your Mother, because, you know, he was just a sloppy jerk and who doesn't love that type? Uh, so seeing him in this, as a therapy role, you, you know, he's got something up his sleeve. Hopefully he was casted to be a little bit more than a therapist. Um, Spoilers, Mike is also a therapist. Right. It helps. I mean, you know, I, you know, therapy got to represent. And, you know, the interesting part of the trailer is that there seems to be a lot more action. There's going to be I'm pre- I'm just putting it out there. It seems it's not it may not be as cerebral as the original movies, but I'm sure they're going to expand on the obvious plugs of the blue pills versus the red pills. It's, you know, being shown off as uh, almost pr- uh, common prescription medication that we experience nowadays. So I imagine there's going to be uh, some modern times with this. Uh, I had, I'm going to get to your reaction last because of your experience with the films is for me, um, I had the reaction. Uh, a few of my friends did. I'm like, I am so excited. And I am so worried because it is, it looks, it looks from a visual perspective. It looks super interesting. Uh, you have Yaya Abdul-Mateen II from who was uh, in The Watchmen, who just recently starred in Candyman, a movie I just saw in theaters. Um, he's playing this very Morpheus-esque character. We can't, as, one can assume maybe he is Morpheus, but again, again, it's The Matrix, so maybe he's not. I think they um, confirmed it. I think he's... I haven't, I haven't looked because I almost don't want to spoil myself. Sorry. I think they confirmed it. <laughs> I mean, if it is, that's still awesome. I mean, yeah. like, he's a phenomenal actor. If you didn't watch, Al and I will beat this drum till the day we die. Forever. Watchmen season one is one of the best singular seasons of television. Mike, I don't know if you've watched Watchmen. Yep. This year. So good. Phenomenal. And he was great in it. And again, great in Candyman as well. He was also Black Manta in Aquaman. Um, and, um, to me, I mean, the action looks great. I love the idea that um, maybe he's been put back into the Matrix and that meeting where he's shaking Trinity's hand and she's like, do I know you? And you hear the Matrix noise. But the one thing about the second and third movie that really bummed me out was this heavy-handed philosophy and overwriting and overcomplications. So my concern is that's what's going to happen here. But whether it is or not, and also the line that Jonathan Graf, Jonathan Graf, who was in Mindhunter, as well as the voice of Kristoff from Frozen, uh, said, he's like, we're going back to where it started, the Matrix. I'm like, Jesus Christ, on the nose a little bit. It's like that Family Guy sketch where they said, they say this, the name. They of, said it. They said it. He's like, oh, watch out for all. What's with all these Star Wars? <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, Christ, guys, you could have cut that scene out. But 
Uh, I will be there December 22nd, whether it's in the movies or on HBO Max. I am watching this as fast as I possibly can. So, Al, you have not seen these movies. That's not a criticism of you anymore. So seeing the trailer, what do you think? Is this compelling you to watch the first movies? Are you going to watch? Because you kind of have to in order to get some of the context here. But is this compelling you to watch these movies? Uh, So give me your thoughts. Yeah, I think that if anything, it's the cast. And I guess just like the execution that's gotten me like interested in seeing the movie and interesting going back and watching them because like everyone says that the first one is such a groundbreaking film it's such a it's such a hugely like, pop culture moment and i was fucking eight years old no one was taking me to the matrix sorry guys but i was eight and it just i it? saw that the day of my junior prom exactly so <laughs> i just it just it just wasn't my I don't know. It wasn't my age. And I wasn't like super, super nerdy, I guess, then that I am now. I think I was probably, I was probably more into wrestling at that point um, than anything else. I know. God bless you. I know. Right. So I, I think the cast is phenomenal. I I think uh, NPH is amazing and he doesn't get enough roles. And I, I don't think it's, I think it's by choice. I think he just wants to spend time with like his family and stuff, but like, look at the last series movie he was in. Gone Girl. He was great in Gone Girl. You know what I mean? He was great in that. He was great in Gone Girl. Like, I just, and I always thought that. What have you forgotten about? Yeah, for sure. It's such a great movie, too. Um, And I always think that, like, the biggest, like, not casting what ifs, but more like, um, like, best internet casting what ifs was him as the Riddler. I wish we got that. Like, the Nolan trilogy, having him as the Riddler, I thought would have been kind of cool. But anyway, I digress. Um, and then the execution of it is like what I'm super interested in is like, it's been how long since the third movie? You know, the expectations are insane. And, and we're I was in, like, in college when the third movie came out. Yeah. So that's like, the, it's got to be, so that was 2003, I think, when it came out. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, right. it's a, there's a lot writing on this in terms of that. And like, you know, we're in super reboot culture um, at the moment. I mean, Keanu Reeves, the star of the movie, it literally just coming off of doing a third Bill and Ted, uh, a sequel to a, a like a '90s film, right? So like uh, late '80s, '90s, I think. This well, I mean, the last one, one was in the '90s, yeah. So I was right, but yeah, like I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's like there's so much riding on this, um, and it's almost like a why are we doing this? So there has to be good reasons. It has to be a, a compelling story, but B, I think it has to also like push things to the limit in terms of what we you know, are used to seeing on screen. So I'm, I'm excited. I think it'll be pretty cool. And listen, if you're a Wachowski fan, if you like the first Matrix movie, I'm just going to put it out there. A lot of people are going to disagree with me, but there's a strong movement for this film. Speed Racer. Go watch it. It's phenomenal. I've heard great things. And it's I remember when it first came out, movie. no one cared about this movie. No one, but you know what? I got to say myself, Cole, Matt Kelly, there's a few a few. Yeah, Alex Marcus, we're all like uh, uh, Logan Fowler, who will never be on the podcast. Never be on the podcast. Uh, never listens to it. What a dick. Love that guy. Yeah. Um, we'll see him at the wedding on uh, October 2nd. Uh, so, first, yeah, I mean, it's first. Make sure you're there when it, the actual wedding's happening. Oh, shit. I better be. Uh, whatever the Saturday. 
Wait, is the first or is the oh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. Uh, apparently, I don't know what wedding dates are. Nope. Uh, for Ryan and Marco, a Pop Break staff member. Uh, so yeah, that's the thing. And Mike, I'll, I'll bring this to you. What I really, what really in- intrigued me was like there was a lot of beats that came from the first film, following the White Rabbit, mm-hmm. Morpheus in the club, taking the pills, walking through the mirror that's seen made of of liquid. And now I'm giving nothing away of the good parts of the film. No, um, that's fine. I'm, I'm watching a football game. Yeah, and so classic, and so yeah, it, it, it's very interesting. So we'll see with the Matrix. Al and I are going to do a Matrix podcast because we have the whole month of October, pretty much with no Disney Plus stuff to watch. So, and we need to adjust schedule because Al's football gambling addiction. So I gotta move stuff around. That's not true. He's not addicted to game. Uh, I'm t- I'm too busy trying to win our fantasy football league. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I drafted Daniel Jones. That tells you all you need to know. Uh, that was more of an F you to Dan Cohen. But uh, yeah. so let's get into. We mentioned the word, the phrase "what if" so many times, and this was the episode I was so dreading. But Disney Plus is using this to kick off their Halloween, uh, Halloween time on the streaming service, which, by the way, go check out what they have lined up. It's pretty great. Muppets Haunted Mansion, all sorts of new shows, plus, of course, Nightmare Before Christmas, everything else they have going on there. It's great. We're not sponsored. We're not sponsored. One day they'll acknowledge us, probably with a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, they don't assume me. Uh, So, anyway, we're talking about what if episode five. What if zombies? (laughs) It's literally the title of the episode. So we're going to get into, uh, you know, that thing we do where we go to the Wikipedia page and tell you the plot. So just in case you forgot. So what if zombies? Of course, uh, this was written uh, by Brian Andrews and directed, I'm sorry, by Brian Andrews, written by Matthew Chauncey. So it starts out, Hank Pym finds Janet Van Dyne in the quantum realm, zombified by a quantum virus. After she infects him, they return to the, the timeline of the episode and spread the virus around the world. Two weeks later, a group of survivors, Bruce Bannon, the Cloak of Levitation, Hope Van Dyne, Peter Parker, Bucky Barnes, Okoye, Sharon Carter, Happy Hogan, and Kurt learn of a camp based in New Jersey uh, that is developing a cure. They travel there, but lose happy Carter and hope to zombie attacks in the camp. They meet vision whose mind stone can reverse the virus exemplified by a cured Scott Lang's head kept alive in a jar. However, they also find a dismembered T'Challa who vision has been feeding to an infected Wanda Maximoff, who is immune to the mind stone. Maximoff breaks free and kills Kurt Okoye and Barnes vision perish. Sorry, Vision perishes, giving the Mind Stone to Parker. Banner transforms into the Hulk and battles Maximoff, allowing the others to escape. To broadcast the Mind Stone's energy across the planet, Parker, Lang, T'Challa, and the Cloak head to Wakanda, unaware of its besiegement by zombies. Meanwhile, a zombified Thanos wields a nearly complete Infinity Gauntlet. So I was dreading this one because, like, we've done zombies too death pun intended the walking dead is on season 4725 mm-hmm. apparently it's the last one who gives a shit no one's talking about it it's not doing the ratings it once did zombies much like pirates when pirates of the caribbean came out it was a huge fad everyone was into it not so much anymore um guys correct me if i'm wrong 
Marvel Zombies was a comic book thing as well, correct? Yeah. So, um, correct. so the the Marvels, like the actual Marvel Zombies, uh, first appeared in just a little comic trivia oh, knowledge. Sure, um, Ultimate Fantastic Four issue twenty one mm-hmm. uh, was an arc um, within that series where they introduced like the Marvel zombies. I believe it's written by Robert Kirkman. Kirkman did write Kirkman. that. Yes. Yeah. And then Kirkman spun, it was so popular that they spun it off into um, a limited series that got like four or five like sequels. And, and for people who don't know stuff. Robert Kirkman, he is the creator. He is the, of the walking dead creator of the walking dead. <laughs> really loves zombies. Loves them to death. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a little, little, now, obviously, you guys both are aware of the, the zombie series. Yeah. Mike, I'll start with you. Did you read the series? What, what's your opinion on it? Yes. When, when the series came, when the uh, original series came back and came out in 05, you know, it was something it was one of those things much like this episode. People were dreading, OK, how how is Marvel going to tackle the zombie trope? Is it just going to be brain eating? Is it just going to be, you know, lumbering around, killing to some degree there was, but throughout the comic, we saw that the specifically the superheroes maintained some level of intelligence based on their powers. Mm. And that was evident somewhat in the what if uh, show that we just had on Wednesday. Now, the interesting thing is I was saying, and, uh, you know, Bill, as you were describing the synopsis of the episode, there were a lot of similarities between the original series. And again, I'm only talking about the first run of Marvel zombies, none, none of the sequels, uh, a lot of similarities between events in the comic that took place in the show. Uh, specifically, the first thing that popped to mind was seeing uh, black Panther T'Challa missing a leg on a table. Now that this was different in, in the episode, that was because vision was feeding his love, you know, Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet witch in the comic book, and here's an interesting tie-in, in the comic book, not Vision, but same thing. Tatala was kept alive, missing an arm and a leg, or probably a couple other body parts, because of Giant Man. Oh. Giant Man had kept him alive, using him as snack food just to, you know, just to uh, satiate his hunger. First so, off, hmm? Giant Man, terrible name. Terrible <laughs> It's just Man. like you're tall, like he's really, like, oh, really dude. tall guy. Mm-hmm. Well, they they were they later changed it to Goliath. I good call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a quick correction: uh, it was uh, Mark Millar who created the zombies in Fantastic Four. Kirkman wrote the Marvel Zombies, the the series that uh, Michael was talking about. So and quick, Millar. Quick correction. Yeah, uh, for those who are like, I've heard that name, of course. Oh my God. Recently, recently going to be working with Netflix. So we're going to see how that all works out. I mean, it's already working out, kind of. I mean, not not really. The first one was the Jupiter's Legacy that had a following, but people didn't really yeah, care for it. A little bit, a little bit of following. Right. So, Mike, Mike, as you were saying. Yes. Right. So, so a, lot, a lot of things were pulled from the comic. Again, not exact, because also keeping in mind, we, we have not seen mutants yet in the oh. MCU. We didn't see it. Some people thought, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Every, before every episode, oh, this is going to be the episode we're going to see the mutant. It didn't happen in Marvel Zombies. And we've and, talked about this in all of 2021. 
Al, you and I, Ken Grandpierre, Mike Dworkin. So many of us have talked about mutants. It's not happening in a cartoon, nope. for sure. It, would, it wouldn't happen. And as much as people would like to see that happen, think about AEW. They're bringing out the big guns on on live television. That's they're wrestling. not. They're not. They're not, not going to bring out uh, the mutants in in the what if cartoon they're going to save that for something big there's going to be a big reveal of course i'm sure it'll get spoiled online uh, but yeah as we're saying that's not going to happen but the other thing I, I wanted to mention in the comic which really didn't get fleshed out so much um fleshed out <laughs> um, yeah me with the bad dad puns it's gonna happen all dads here <laughs> in the comic book it play, events played out differently where the century was somewhere off in the galaxy and got and brought the infection to earth and that's how the plague started different from using the quantum realm now could we say this may occur in the upcoming quantum verse movie Qu- i'm sorry quantum mania movie always possible I mean, they've uh, had some other drops of hints throughout uh, what if uh, last week's episode with Doctor Strange. Yeah, so that's the thing, Al. I mean, Ant-Man aficionado over there. Um, you are my Scott Lang. Uh, <laughs> I know. I love you, buddy. I'm just a head in a jar with a cape. Was that? I'm just a head in a jar with a cape. <laughs> Many times you have been. I saw at your wedding after the open bar. Uh, to, don't I? I was a Marvel zombie at his wedding. Uh, but regardless, uh, you've talked about Ant Man a ton, and Quantum Mania is a new movie. We've mm-hmm. seen a lot of lot of Ant Man in What If. How much do you think is going to carry over? I mean, we saw Hank going into the to the Quantum Verse to find uh, Janet. We you know a ton of stuff we've seen with Ant-Man and Hank Pym, and now we got Scott in it. How much do you think is going to carry over into that film? With every episode of this show... We asked the same fucking question, I know. But. With every episode of the show, we're trying to figure out how does this connect to the larger MCU? And I think the only way it can is that these are animated versions of universes that we're going to see. It's the only way it can be, it can make sense to me now because it's like, okay, Quantumanium, Loki, like we're, we're dealing with the multiverse, we're dealing with multiple realities. We also, in the background of all this, have secret invasion around the corner too. Like there's so much going on. Let me stop you for one second about secret invasion, just because the old ticker doesn't work too well. That's my heart. Now the old brain's not working too well. Is that going to be live action or animated? Live action. That's, live That's action. what I thought. That's yeah. what I thought. With, with Emil Clark. Mm-hmm. Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark. I said yes. Emil. Amelia. Yeah, Amelia was, Clark. Is that like Emil? Did he get married? Yeah. <laughs> Amelia Clark um, is going to be in it. Yeah. So that's in an undisclosed role. Yeah. I, I just, we keep talking about the quantum verse and we keep talking about this. I'm just like, something's, again, like we talked with Nick Picaro last week. Either this is going to directly tie in or this is just getting our palette ready for it. Mm-hmm. Let, let me toss this as an idea out there. Awesome. And it, le- it leans more towards getting the palette ready. But I think there will be some elements featured through the MCU more prominently than others. For example, okay. uh, <clears throat> for example, uh, the episode where the Avengers, the, fir- the first string of Avengers, tier A Avengers, all wiped out. At the end of that episode, Nick Fury's Pedro went off. We saw Captain Marvel show up. 
we see somebody in ice. Still not sure who that is. Previous first episode, Captain Carter makes it through the portal thanks to the Tesseract, and she shows up. We had last week, Doctor, the evil Doctor Strange, the remorseful Doctor Strange, essentially eliminate an entire universe, and he is left alone. What's happening here, and I know I skipped a few things, but what's been happening is we're in the common theme is that every episode, if you were to attach this to the MCU, everything is playing out as it normally would. Case in point, last uh, yesterday's episode, at the very end, we still see Thanos laying siege to Wakanda. He's got the gauntlet. He's got the stones. And what's happening? The last stone, the mind stone, is being brought right to him. This is what played out through in, into Infinity War. Let's go back to episode one. Sure, okay. Captain Carter gets thrown you know, into who I still believe is Shumagorath, the giant technical alien, in case anybody didn't uh, wasn't following that. I still think it's Shumagorath. She goes through. She pops out where the first Avengers movie began. Except instead of Loki, Captain Carter shows up. Right. Events are still playing out the way they normally would throughout the MCU. How does Doctor Strange fit in here? He, he could be a villain in the upcoming Multiverse of Madness, but I am willing to bet, I'll pick which expensive, non-expensive non Transformer off that shelf, that... That version. By the way, Mike is a, Mike is <laughs> is surrounded by ten thousand transformers. Uh, so when he says an expensive one, he means it. There, there might be one, but I'm going to bet a non-expensive one. I think I have a bumblebee lying around over there. <laughs> I'll take a bumblebee. But so, so I'm very certain that this version of Doctor Strange will appear in either No Way Home or in Multiverse of Madness. To oh. that point, I'm also convinced that the zombie version of Wanda will appear in mm. Multiverse of Madness. I can see that even if it's for a second. Exactly. Even if it's for a second, she will appear. And again, we're getting and then the uh, quantum mania. We, we saw where Hank Pym loses his mind. He's the mastermind of killing off the uh, first tier of Avengers. We have another, we have another link to Ant-Man and the Wasp in this latest episode. There's got to be a connection. Again, even if it's just for a moment, even if we get a glimpse of maybe the virus that gets brought back to this version of Earth, we're going to see it, how much it affects the MCU going forward, yet to be seen. But I'm guaranteeing we're going to see a lot of this going forward in the MCU. I have a Transformers question because as a kid, I have this distinct memory. Was there a Transformers arc, like the cartoon series, where they were all infected by something where they like all turned gray and like the Decepticons and Autobots were working together? So there, there's a, there were two episodes that uh, featured that. So in the... Sorry, Al, this is old people talking. <laughs> it's fine. I'm so, He's like, don't worry, I'm watching the football game. <laughs> Absolutely. So if, if I remember right, I believe this was season two of the original series. There was an episode called Cosmic Rust, where... Like Hot Rod is in it, I think. Okay, so if you're thinking of that episode, yeah, that, then that's then we're we're all the way towards uh, season uh, season four towards the rebirth, yeah. where there was a cosmic plague that came in, um, and interestingly enough, it was brought by uh, human space explorers who brought it back to Earth and found, hey, it infects people, it makes them all evil. So it's just like the Suicide Squad, pretty much, just everything everything going bad, everything as 
bad as you could get. And yes, the op- the Autobots and Decepticons have to work together in doing so, resurrecting Optimus Prime. Right. Bearing the matrix of leadership, opening up the matrix, and curing not just Earth, not just Cybertron, but the entire galaxy of this plague. And we tie in the matrix somehow. Here we go. So, guys, um, again, I was dreading this episode because I'm like, goddamn zombies. Were, I'm so over it right now. Um, did they do this? Uh, how did they? What was your overall? And this is kind of like how would you, it's kind of hard to separate this from rate the episode. But how did you think the introduction of zombies worked? And this is something that they, they released on Twitter where Bruce Banner basically shows up and he's like, Hey, Iron Man's here to save me from the scrolls or the Cree, I should say. And, um, you know, uh, zombie Tony Stark started eating brains. Um, how did you think they introduced zombies in, in this? Did it work for you guys? I'm going to start with you and tear you away from football for a second. Like, how did you feel the introduction of zombies worked? like work for you did it actually work or was it just like that's fucking zombies i'm i'm over it i think if it would would have played out the normal way then i would have been like Ugh, zombies like they are going for a mission to do a thing and then you see them get bit and all that kind of stuff the way it kind of just the way they started it off i thought was really cool in the sense that it's just like oh we're in it like we're just in the zombies realm like it's happening like, I love that. And then explain later. Like, yeah, that's cool. It's essentially like why The Walking Dead season one worked, because it's just like, what happens if you woke up from a coma and you're in a zombie apocalypse? Where this is like, hey, what if you're Bruce Banner, thrown in through interdimensional travel, back to Earth, and holy shit, you don't want to turn into the Hulk, and here's zombies. Um, I, I liked it as well. Because uh, it was, and Mark Ruffalo really, I think, the fact you brought him back, and his comedic sensibilities, I think, really helped the episode because I think in lesser hands, it kind of would have been shit. Uh, so, Mike, what do you think about how they introduced the uh, concept of zombies in the episode? I, I think they were spot on with the way it happened, because l- like I said before, this was essentially was the beginning of Infinity War. Banners shoots right straight down right into Dr. Strange's uh, Sanctum Centaurum, comes out. Now, normally, he would have been greeted by Dr. Strange and Tony Stark. This time, he's in a New York where, where, where is everybody? We have um, Ebony Maw and uh, uh, forget the big guy's name, but uh, Thanos' lackeys coming in. And yeah, the Avengers come, save the day, but not the way you think. And I think that that was a solid introduction because just like Al said, you're in it. It's happening around you. It's not, oh, okay, well, now let's explain this. Forget the explanation. I don't want the explanation. I, I want to see the action. And also given it was a much shorter episode than the previous ones, I'm glad they 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 got right to it. I wasn't a fan that the rest of the episode felt like a speed run in, in that aspect, yeah, yeah. but still just basically going through the scenes of infinity war, but now with the zombie aspect, uh, I thought that was very well done. It was a good choice by, by the writers. So one of the other things to do is they introduce us to this motley crew, literally of, of characters. Of course, we've got our favorite character actor, one of Al's favorite people in the whole world, David, um, are you going to have Dalmatian? David Desmalchin. Desmalchin. Uh, of course, uh, coming back as Kurt, you've got a Koye, who, of course, 
uh, Danae Guerrera is no stranger to zombies, obviously, since she's on The Walking Dead, was on The Walking Dead. Um, and then, of course, we've got Spider-Man. We've got Happy Hogan, voiced by John Favreau. We've got um, the new Agent Carter, essentially. Um, and then who else? We've got uh, Wasp. And so that's our and, and Bucky. That's our team. Uh, tell me what you thought about this 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 team up to go to New Jersey to um, to find the to find this cure because in in some respects it reminded me a bit of. I don't know why, but just did Escape from New York, where it's Kurt Russell. If you don't know, it's an early 80s film, John Carpenter. Um, and it's going to be it's Kurt Russell, Snake Plissken, and they're making a run. And he has a whole motley crew that's making this run through a rundown post-apocalyptic New York that's been turned into an, a, a penal colony, essentially. And they're trying to run to obviously escape New York, but they're trying to literally escape New York here as well. And there's a quite a uh, lot of loss happening here but talk about this motley crew um and uh did you like the the random pastiche of characters we had here i'll start with you first that uh, we've assembled for this team to make the run to save the world yeah it makes sense the people they chose because it's like who is the cheapest of the bunch in terms of paying the voice, the voice acting, you know what I mean? Um, hey, John no, Favreau's big shit, Disney. Yeah, I'm sure they're like, we pay you enough. <laughs> you, you could do this one for Thanks free. for saving Star Wars. Can you go yeah. just be happy one more time? Yeah, seriously, fuck off. Um, no, I, I, I like the people they chose because it just gave us more opportunity to be with characters that we don't get a lot of time with, right? Except like, I, yeah, except and it wasn't there wasn't and Bruce long. Banner. I forgot Bruce Banner. Very true, but and, uh, and the cape, <laughs> the cape we do spend a lot of time with. We do, um, but no, it's essentially uh, the magic carpet. For didn't me. we think that the Star Lord episode was going to be the last time we heard Chadwick Boseman's voice, or we just thought, "What if?" In general, so someone, I, Mike, I don't remember if it was on your episode or not, where someone mentioned that it's not the last time we're going to hear Chadwick. I think Matt actually but, mentioned it that this was not the last time we were going to hear Chadwick Boseman. Right, that that the episode with the the guardians that, that was the episode where, where he was featured, but not the last time we specifically hear from him. He did record, I don't know how many more episodes, but he yeah, did do a few more recordings. I hope it's not his last one. Uh, that's, uh, that's an odd one to end on. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I I thought the the cast of characters we got was pretty solid. Um, I, and also like Paul Rudd. Come on. Well, so we'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Brother, <laughs> we we're going to get, I mean, I'm going to let you just rant for like 20 minutes about that. For me, I, what I loved about it was it was a lot of you. Of course you had Bruce Banner. Of course, he's going to be your lead guy. You're going to have Spider-Man, of course, uh, not voiced by Tom Holland, uh, but he's going to be your main guy because he's Spider-Man. Uh, but you had a cast of very lovable, likable uh you know, probably BC level supporting characters in the MCU first phase that uh, you'll care about if they die. And I think that was a big thing. Like people like happy. He's a funny guy and you want to, and especially, come on, he's got Iron Man's hand blasters going blam, 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 blam. <laughs> and it was so sad the last blam. Uh, so you're going to, you're going to feel something when they die. So for me, I was just like, okay, this is a good, this is a good bunch here. So, Mike, what do you think? 
Yeah, it was a good selection of characters that they used. And, you know, thinking about it, there were characters they could have gone with. They could, you know, why not War Machine? Where, where was, you know, where was uh, Captain Marvel? The thing is, Captain Marvel, too overpowered, wouldn't have worked. War Machine, you already had Iron Man as a, as a zombie. War Machine in there, also heavily overpowered, could have, you know, really tipped the edge. But I think that would have, in a way, given uh, the, the heroes an unfair advantage. Um, you know, being that they already had uh, Tony Stark infected, having War Machine show up and inevitably uh, be infected would have just been t- you know, double of the same thing. It would have been a little redundant. Although I'll be I'm perfectly honest, I'm a huge War Machine fan. I, and I'm actually disappointed we haven't really seen him yet in What If. And I, I, I'm hoping we do see War Machine in a future episode. Uh, and so so going back to the, to the people that they had, good eclectic uh, crew there very human ground-based very i mean with the exception of banner and even peter parker peter parker is a, he's a street level superhero with the exception of banner they're all streets you know street level superheroes nobody with you know flashy eye beams or superhuman flight or anything like that these were people you could relate to who were really trying to to survive even even the wasp yes she has her her suit but without the suit, she doesn't have the powers. Right. Um, so, yeah, the rest of the episode pretty much lays out like any sort of zombie apocalypse thing, except we have one wrinkle when we get to New Jersey, which actually really plays into WandaVision because that took place in South Jersey or Southwest Jersey. Well, actually, that one took uh, on the part. Oh, what was it out? That was off like exit 20 something off the parkway um, was we see vision and we see Wanda talk about how you felt the inclusion inclusion. I'm sorry. The inclusion of the Wanda vision stars um, and how that played out. how did you guys, th- what'd you guys think about vision being there basically? And then sacrificing T'Challa to feed Wanda and kind of calling back to WandaVision to show that dominated our thoughts and early 2021. So, Mike, I'll start with you. It was definitely a surprise. Definitely caught me off guard. The fact that Vision could be capable of being, while caring for Wanda, also that cold to sacrifice T'Challa, keeping him alive just to continue to feed her. Could have fed anybody. Could have ran out and you know fed some other random uh, schmo to uh, Wanda. But you picked a character like T'Challa, that's going to hit you hard. That's going to hit the audience hard. Having Vision being torn showed his growth being more than just an android, I think, uh, really lends itself to reminding us what WandaVision was about, reminding that the connect the connection that Vision and Wanda had going into Infinity War. So that was already pretty apparent. The Wrinkle, the, the thing there though is that the his turn, and I know I'm jumping ahead a bit, no, the turn the, the turn of oh okay, I done screwed up. Here's my stone right out of his head. That happened way too quickly for my liking. And again, the episode was only it was less than 30 minutes. I think it was runtime was 27, 28 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I know, and I said before the episode did feel like a speed run, so I understand why they went to that very quickly but unfortunately it didn't really do anything for me 
there was the initial shock of saying Vision and Wanda together, but events happened so fast that I didn't really get anything out of it. I didn't feel like it there's any significance. Again, maybe we might see it uh, in, in Multiverse of Madness at some point, but I didn't really feel like it contributed to the overall story, except for the uh, Mind Stone aspect. Uh, for me, I liked it because it really fed into WandaVision. I, you know, this is something that is, for me, not out of the realm of possibility that Vision is like, you know, logically for him, the only person who survived T'Challa. He, since T'Challa especially has uh, uh, Al, or by correcting me if I'm wrong, his suit is made of vibranium, right? So no zombie is going to chew through that. Uh, so if they can't chew through that, Vision swoops in, I have a zombified Wanda, I'm going to find the one guy who's not going to be affected by all, infected by all this, and I'm going to save him, and I'm going to feed him to the woman I love, because I can't find it in my heart to kill her. That reads really well to WandaVision for me. Mike, like you said, I could see this this episode reminded me of something that could have been expanded out to like some something we saw in like DC when they do the Justice League movies. But like these short these like 90 minute just you know direct to whatever DVD streaming, you know, movies, animated films. I could have seen that. Like this could have lasted a lot longer for me. But it it works for me and I like how they're reinforcing kind of in you know very directly just reminding us what WandaVision was all about and giving us maybe a taste of what we're going to see. Now, maybe not directly and not like apples to apples, but, you know, Vision and Wanda, there's there's a relationship there that doesn't break. Despite a zombie apocalypse, it doesn't break. And we might see that come up in, other, in future uh, properties. Al, your thoughts on all of this? Yeah, I, I like the episode. Months talking about this series. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was super enjoyable, but I just I think the only thing it was I just didn't really care when like the zombie moments didn't hit for me, and I think it's just because of the time we didn't get enough time with the characters. Like I think the only one that was like the one that hit me the most was Cap. Yeah, but I'm talking more about the one division connection. Yeah. I don't, that's what I think. I think just trying to go around it is is saying that like, yeah, I think if you didn't see WandaVision before, hmm. you may not have cared as much. But at the same time, I think they established their relationship pretty well in the MCU proper that you'd have kind of the same feeling. I just in a post WandaVision world, um, we just want those two crazy kids to be uh, together. Um, of course, keeps getting it taken away from us. And Al, you brought up a really my next question. Actually, the death of a character that hits you the hardest. So you're saying the Captain America scene hits you the hardest. They didn't seem die, right? They don't, like you, if well, you're talking about if you're talking about we see them become zombies, and I, I they weren't played off well. Like it's so weird. They're trying to blend, you know, a serious MCU title into an animated series that is also trying to be a Marvel show. So it's like, has to be fun and funny. So yeah, devastating agent Carter dying. And then two seconds later, Janet Van Dyne goes in her and it explodes her. So it's just like, who am I, what am I supposed to care about? Right? Like, was I, 
the problem in zombie stuff? It it's tough. You can't you can't have it both ways. You can't have devastating moments and lighthearted moments. So they went for lighthearted um, with the people turning into zombies. Which I thought was not great, um, but you know the moments I think that more mattered. I guess were like were, you know the cat reveal, like I guess like things like that. Like which uh, zombification or death hit you the hardest? Um, gonna gonna go with happy. You know, it was like you know he's that cheery guy just trying to survive. I mean, he's the most human out of all of them, and you just see him getting dragged away. You know what's gonna happen. So that that one that one hit me hard. Um, out of all the characters, but you know, again with what Al saying, it's hard to get invested. And that scene that you mentioned, Al with you know sharon getting zombified and then immediately the wasp you know going inside her exploding her from within you have light-hearted destruction and it's it's hard to take a lot of those moments seriously because each character and that's the, one of the other flaws with the episode and not that it took away from the episode but because it was rapid fire you knew people were going down you knew people in this episode weren't going to make it and it happened rapid fire very quickly where by the end you only had a couple people left and they were walking, they were flying right into a trap. Um, in, interestingly enough, that moment where the wasp ends up getting scratched and she survives for a couple hours before she eventually uh, turns. And you think about the moment when she turns, when she becomes giant woman, or I don't remember the Marvel name for her. I don't think she had a name for her. Maybe it was giant woman. Um, the fact that she gets zombied at that moment, I thought to myself that it, it didn't, that moment didn't work because it was too, too obvious. She was, she was in the, in the giant suit turns. So it was obvious that she would become a major threat and we had to watch the heroes escape pretty darn quickly uh, to avoid a uh, really utter catastrophe on that one. See, that's the one I, I kind of was like, was the best and most tragic turn because everyone else was like, everyone hit like that, but she had the most heroic kind of death, but it was also weird that it took that long because, well, she did get scratched. So, but her lumbering into, you know, getting our heroes into Camp Leahy and then falling backwards like that, I thought was a good moment. Then, of course, the you know, her, you know, last gaffs trying to grab the uh, quad jet. I actually like that one. But the one I think, and that's the one to hit most for me because she died doing a heroic thing where she, you know, she was turning into a zombie and she sacrificed herself and then like just got doubly screwed because then all the zombies started to overrun her. Um, that leads into my next question is this like, and my final question before we get into a review is like, this was the darkest, most violent episode of the series. We saw, the, you know, we saw Wasp explode someone from the inside covered in blood. Uh, we saw uh, someone ripped in half. We saw limbs getting hacked off, all sorts of stuff. Did this darkness and this violence, did it work for you? Did it feel jarring? Did it, was it just like, all right, this is just cheap. Uh, Mike, I'll start with you first. Like how did the dark tone of the dark, violent tone of this work for you? 
I mean, it, it worked. Again, I, I read the comic back in 2005, and there, there was no shortage of blood and guts. It was pretty graphic. So keeping with the graphic nature in this episode, I mean, if, if it wasn't graphic and it was featuring zombies, I, it wouldn't have been believable for me. And, right. you know, in, in moments, and I have to turn and credit my wife for pointing this out because I neglected to mention this, a, a minor connection, the same way that the wasp killed zombie Sharon by exploding from inside, we did see previously how Hank did the same thing to Hulk two episodes ago. Uh, it was true. He did explode. They did explode the Hulk from the inside. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. And, right. and, and the thing is, I didn't mention the Hulk as a casualty because we never saw the Hulk die in this episode. Yeah. And we saw previously. We didn't see him turn into a zombie. We didn't, we didn't see him turn into a zombie. And we saw for a moment where he did get bitten, but his arm went green. So we saw that he did, he did not turn the first time. So it's likely he survived. That's going to be left as a mystery. Yeah, and that's the thing with a lot of uh, with every one of these episodes, they've left them open ended, mm-hmm. meaning sure. that we could revisit these universes in some capacity. Whether if that's in live action or future episodes of What If, you know, they could do, they can go hundreds of years doing What If stories without having to return back. But the fact that they're leaving them open ended means they might have a plan after all. Right, and and to think that this plan, and with also the Watcher gradually becoming more of a presence, not just standing aside and we just seeing a mm-hmm. silhouette of him in the background. I mean, he flat out had a conversation with Dr. Strange this week and we basically saw him leaning over and just watching everything unfold with the darkness of each episode increasing. The watcher seems to be getting a little bit closer to possibly breaking his vow of non-involvement. And I want to get something in before I forget Another reason why a lot of people online thinking, oh, this is going to be the way the Fantastic Four gets in or there's something else, someone else is going to be included. Because in the comic, we got a zombie Galactus. Mm. But so, and Watcher and Galactus, there's a little bit of history. Fantastic Fours had many confrontations with Galactus, Silver Surfer, uh, Firebrand. Um, it, I, and that's, I think, why we ended up with Thanos at the end instead of Galactus, because the, the, yeah, that's right. that's going to be an MCU reveal. That will not be in a TV show reveal. That would be an MCU reveal. I agree. Uh, I like. I was a little shocked at the, especially being on Disney Plus, the amount of violence in it. But you can't do a zombie apocalypse without violence. So nope. I have no problem with that. Lightning round question, real quick. Best vocal performance, Al. I think we know who you're picking, brother. It's stand-in Tom Holland. No, uh, it's, <laughs> it's it's Mr. Paul Rudd. I mean, it, it's weird because again, we had we said this last week too when we were talking about um when we were talking about come come oh! We were talking about that was Christine! like I'm like I don't think that's Mark Ruffalo. For a hot second, I didn't think it was Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> I, for a hot second, I didn't think it was Paul Rudd. Like when he first started talking, I'm like, is that Paul Rudd? And then he started talking, I'm like, that's Paul Rudd. That's Paul Rudd. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, it was perfect. I think that was the best vocal casting mm-hmm. they did because it was just like, it's just such a, you cannot have to be tell, dropping those dad jokes without, for a Scott Lang character without Paul Rudd being the voice to it. Yeah. 
But I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say it's Mark Ruffalo because I thought he killed it, especially in that first episode, setting the tone. I thought he was great. I loved everything about what he did with that character, especially at the end. He's like, I'll create a distraction. I'm like, no. And he's like, I got this. And he's like talking to himself. You know, he's like, come on, big guy. And he's just come out. And I was like, all right. Yeah. For me, that, that, that worked out. That worked out really well. By the way, Tom Brady threw three goddamn touchdowns in the first half. What a jerk. Uh, uh, but- Godwin, uh, Gronk, and then um, Evan too. No. Surprise! The one I need is Evans, and of course it was uh, Brown. Yeah, of course you're a dick who drafted Evans. I couldn't take him. No, I didn't but, draft uh, Evans. Uh, oh, not yeah, maybe. Yeah, whoever drafted him, I hate you. Uh, Mike, who was your favorite vocal performance in this episode? Um, I'm going with the guy whose last name I can't pronounce, but he played Kurt. Oh, Dallas Mock. Like, did you watch Suicide Squad? First, I got to ask this question. Did you watch the Suicide Squad yet? Yes, they have. So that was Pogodot, man. Mm-hmm. So yes, he's had a hell of a year. He he's had a great year. I mean, think about for, first. If I remember correctly, first comic movie appearance was as a police officer in The Dark Knight. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. And from then on, amazing where he is now. It's absolutely amazing. And he comes out. Baba Yaga's coming. Baba Yaga. That that had me. That had, like that was the win for me. And I've heard Bobby Yaga and other shows <laughs> before. And I was like, oh, God bless you. I didn't even know it was him until mm-hmm. after I watched the episode. I'm like, holy shit, that guy can be <laughs> Again. I just want, like, again, he, I didn't think it was him. I didn't think it was him either. And all of a sudden, like, and, like I also didn't see the anime movies, so I guess he was in him. But it's like, I we need Hollywood. This actor needs his own show. Oh, for sure. It's that good. In fact, listen, give us a polka dot man series. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I'd kill. Yeah, I, mean, I know you would. So, guys, <laughs> we're going to rate the episode on a scale of one to ten question marks and uh, give us your final, your overall opinion on the episode itself. Uh, Al, you lazy son of a bee. I'm going to ask you first. You're actually not lazy, but I just like saying I'm going to give this one seven question marks i thought it was the lowest rating we've gotten for any episode this season i think of like any like disney plus show thus far oh i think we had a we definitely had a wanda or falcon episode that got a seven for sure okay and i'm gonna say cold for me i thought for me i thought it was enjoyable which just it just wasn't like groundbreaking and like like mesmerizing like they have so much Again, ammo. They can do whatever they want. Did we need this? No. I didn't think we needed it, but I thought it was fine. I thought it was cool. I just think they have so many other opportunities that they can be doing in terms of uh, what if stories. So, seven. Uh, I'm going to go with eight on this one because I was the guy who was like, I don't want this episode because I wrote the Walking Dead episode reviews for years and I'm so over zombies. But I felt this episode did a pretty good job of telling a a zombie story in the MCU in a way I wasn't expecting. I really loved the vocal cast. Listen, Paul Rudd and anything is always great. Having Jon Favreau in there as happy was awesome. The inclusion of Spider-Man was fantastic. Um, And listen, you know, Doctor Strange's cape became the 
you know, carpet from Aladdin, essentially. So it was a lot of fun, and <laughs> which is weird for me to say. It was a lot darker, took a lot more risks. Um, I don't ever need to see another Marvel Zombies thing ever again. But I thought for what they did, it was a lot of fun. And so I'm going to give it an eight. So, Mike, for you, what do you give this episode on a scale of one to ten question marks? Um, so, so I'm going to give this one a seven as well. Because out of all the episodes that have currently aired, this one is, again, not saying I didn't like it, but the, my least favorite out of all the episodes. And I, I was actually, I wasn't too pleasant on the episode where they killed off uh, the uh, A-string Avengers, but at least that episode left me wanting to know what happened next. I agree with you, Bill. Great voice cast, very dark. The action was great, but for me, the detraction of being felt feeling like a speed run, which I've said before, yeah, yeah, it was it was too it was too fast for me. The episode should have been longer. Things could have you know played out further. Maybe there could have been more explanation going on, or at least draw out the action a bit. And I don't the way they left it. I wouldn't necessarily need to see any follow up. I think just right. knowing that they're walking into a major trap caps it off for me uh, i'd rather if they do revisit other universes uh, other universes i would rather see them revisit some of the previous episodes uh, rather than this one yeah this ended this if we never went back to this it ends like a twilight zone episode which is like mm -hmm. they're trying to save yeah. the world and there's thanos waiting for that stone yeah. perfect ending you don't need you can you could you don't need it spelled out for you you could you could extrapolate on your own um, so guys, we're going to do a, a, we're winding down the episode. I wanted to get quick pop culture ref, uh, recommendations. So Al, do you have any pop culture recommendations for the people? That's a good question. I'm trying to think of what I, um, like me to come back to you. No, no, no. Everything that I would probably recommend is starting soon. And I haven't checked out a couple things. Well, I know launch. one thing Al is extremely excited for, and it's debuting on Hulu next week. Yes. Tell them about it. Uh, that would be why the last man it is. I'm I'm so I'm so psyched for it. I have been waiting for this show for over a decade. Like I've been waiting for an adaptation of this comic book forever. I adore it. It is my favorite comic book of all time. I cannot wait to see what they do with this. This was supposed to be a movie. Starring Shia LaBeouf, directed by like uh, just DJ Caruso, I think his name is. Um, the Eagle Eye Team. Like that's how old. That's how long this has been in development. Hell, long time. I can't wait. I mean, if you don't know what it is, go go watch it. Just do it. It's going to be awesome. It'll be the next Walking Dead, hopefully, in the sense of like just people gravitating towards it um in terms of a comic book adaptation i don't know we'll see it might not be for everybody i'm really pumped for it so just to let people know this episode this series is debuting on fx on hulu on september 13th cannot wait so that is was that's monday right yeah because the 11th yeah. saturday yeah, yeah. so monday, monday fx on hulu uh and uh, diane lane is going to be in it olivia threlby who oh, i love amber she's Chamberlain. great dread Amber Tamlin, who I have a special place in my heart for, Imogene Poots, uh, and of course, Ben Schnetzer playing in the lead role. So that's going to be really cool. 
Uh, for me, because Mike, you're a guest of honor, so I'm gonna let you go last. For me, uh, if you, I'm not. Oh, a wait, rock- I didn't actually get to re- recommend anything. Watch Thirty Rock on Netflix. It's like my three, three or f- third or fourth rewatch. Show still great. Okay, so if we're going that route, uh, I'm going to recommend the Great British Bake Off, which is just like God, a goddamn blanket of television wrapped around. Oh, Ted Lasso. Watch Ted Lasso. Fuck off. It's my turn. Uh, <laughs> it's I love the best show ever. Uh, I, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna watch uh, soon, but the Great British Bake Off. Uh, people are like reality show competitions are so lame, but everyone on it is super nice. Everything looks amazing. The new series premieres in Great Britain, I think, in the next week or so. But at the end of September, every single Friday, the, ep- the episodes from the new season are going to be airing. So it's on Netflix right now. Go watch it. If you just need something super pleasant and just nice and just you could put on the background, Great British Bake Off is great. If you want something that's going to scare the piss out of you, go watch the new Candyman movie. Holy shit. Uh, starring the aforementioned Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Um, of course, Tiana Paris from the aforementioned <laughs> WandaVision is in it. It is, I'm like I said, I'm not a horror movie guy. I never, I didn't see all of the original Candyman, but it is a scary film uh, that really addresses a lot of uh, social issues like gentrification, um, racial politics, uh, police brutality, and it really does it in a way that's a conversation, not a lecture. And it's very interesting, and it's a really it gets you on the edge of your seat. It's a really cool film, so definitely, definitely check that out. And Al, I gotta re- recommend a cover from one of our favorite bands, Royal Blood. They covered Metallica's "Sad but True," mm. and I've heard many a cover of this song. This might be one of the best. So go check out on Spotify, Royal Blood, Metallica's "Sad but True." Michael Dworkis. Give us a couple of recommendations for the people. Well, so if we're going through rewatches and I'm going to plug Transformers on this one, which I didn't do last time. When, when it was my turn. I didn't, but this time I will. Transformers because, the movie. Because this year 2000. That's true. Well, the year 2005 is when the movie take, took place. And actually, I'll, I will mention that uh, uh, this coming, uh, this not this coming Sunday, a few Sundays from now on September 26th, the original 1986 animated movie is going to be back in theaters for two days, one of which uh, is on. Write uh, about it for the pop right Oh, I certainly will. Uh, that's going to be celebrating a, a huge uh, milestone anniversary, 35th anniversary of the original movie. But uh, speaking of a rewatch, it's the 20th anniversary of the Transformers Robots in Disguise, or originally when it came out of Japan, was known as Car Robots, which was the series, which was the series that brought the Autobots and Decepticons back to uh, transforming vehicle modes because we've had about, uh, try to remember exactly how many years, but we had the series of Beast Wars and Beast Machines on TV for so long. So this was getting back to the basics, Transformers as vehicles, cars, jets. Uh, some of the Decepticons were still uh, beasts, but more mechanical in nature. So this kind of brought things back to uh, the almost like the good old days of Generation 1. So for anyone who has not ever seen that ep- that series because they weren't born yet when this series came out 20 years ago, give it a watch. Again, it's called Transformers Robots in Disguise. Uh, which originally aired on Fox Kids and does not have, yes, it aired on Fox Kids and does not have any release on DVD or Blu-ray in the United States. It was released overseas in a DVD box set, 
never came here, uh, never was released here due to copyright issues, being that it was aired on Fox Kids. So well, where that, can you watch it now? Uh, right now, you could probably find it. Uh, you could, if you're lucky, you could find it off some you know websites online. You may maybe get lucky and stream it someplace. Uh, unfortunately, it. Not to my knowledge, there is no mainstream place to uh, stream it. So if you happen to have uh, recorded episodes from Japan with subtitles, that's probably the best you're going to get. But for something more current to rewatch, I would go for uh, for, uh, Midnight Midnight Stories Tokyo Diner on Netflix. If you have not seen that show, I think it's fantastic. It's a great great, uh, live action show has to do with food but the story uh leaning into kind of the late night culture in japan oh, i found okay. to be one of the most fascinating things i have ever watched on television you know me i'm a comic book junkie tell you know wrestling transformers video games this came up on netflix when i was watching through some anime i thought hey why not i'll give it a shot and i was instantly hooked and i had to binge watch every season uh, that uh, Netflix put on. And then and what's the name the, of the series again? One more time. It's, it's called uh, midnight story, midnight stories, Tokyo diner. Okay. Midnight. I'm sorry. I reversed that midnight diner, Tokyo stories. I knew I mixed that up. All right. Uh, also listen, I'm going to be a shill for my friends. If you have kids, uh, the new season of Octonauts is streaming on Netflix. One of my best friends is a producer on the show. Oh, Parker watches that. He's been, he was watching it today. One of my best friends produces that show. Oh, that's he awesome. just left it. <laughs> but um, I'll tell you what he's going, working on soon. But uh, he's he's actually going to Netflix. But, yep, check out Octonauts, a brand new series. They got some new characters on it, um, brand new songs on it. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to definitely recommend the new season of Octonauts because one of my, my, one of my brothers, Andrew Hymas, he's a producer on the show and did a lot of work on it, so I have to put it over. So, And also, Transformers, a good friend of mine, Frank Todaro, he uh, voices Starscream. So check out any of the new uh, recent um, episode uh, series on Netflix of Transformers. He's also on Cuphead. Um, so, Mike, please plug your social media and where everyone can buy your stuff on eBay. Yeah, well, my, yes, not, ju- not just that stuff. Plenty more things on eBay at Omega Collectibles on eBay. Transformers, action figures, comic books, and assorted uh, random pop culture items will be listed there. Hey, the holidays are coming up sooner than uh, you know it, so pick up something nice. I mean, it'll be less stuff, less clutter. My wife will be happy that I get stuff out of the house. That'd be great. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at OmegaX80. See, Bill, you did not have to remind me of my own handle this time. And coming soon, because, Bill, I know you're going to mention it, so I'm going to beat you to it. You're definitely going to mention it, but I'm going to beat you to it. Coming soon will be the podcast um, Wrestling with Mental Health. And, you know, Bill, I know you like this part. You could could plug one of my guests. You could plug it. Yeah, me. Um, One of the first episodes. (laughs) Uh, But most importantly, Mike has a former professional wrestler, Mark Marrow, who you might know from WCW, is Johnny B. Bad. Of course, he wrestled in WWE as marvelous Mark Marrow, uh, a huge uh, proponent of mental health. You've seen him. He's been a talking head on so many news channels for, throughout the last 15 years. So that's a huge episode. So, of course, you're going to find that episode, which I'm going to bug the shit out of Mike to get online. You your absolutely bug the shit out of Go for it. Because Al also helped set that up. 
because he's a, just an absolute mensch. And I felt like I threw that word out just for you, Mike. Al, you're shooting shows again, brother, including Shadow of the City, the Jack Antonoff music festival happening at the Stone Pony Summer Stage this weekend. Of course, we're dropping on Friday, so it's going to be uh, Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Okay, it's going to be on Saturday with a whole bunch of bands. Tickets still available. Uh, go to the Stone Pony website. Or you can go to I don't Stone know. Pony. I think it's sold out. Uh, you might be able to find some online. If not, uh, check out Al's pictures of Bleachers and a whole bunch of other really rad bands. So, Al, tell us where the people could find you online. You can find me at Al Manorino on the Twitter and on the Instagram. You'll see those photos of bands like Bleachers as Bill has already mentioned Japanese breakfast and one of my favorite bands that I, that I basically discovered over quarantine beach bunny. Uh, really excited to see them. So pumped. So uh, a couple other bands are going to be there and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, check out those photos uh, next week. Yep. Since Al is covering it and we do want to give a shout out to our friends who helped us get, you know, who, you know, the people over at RCA records who gave Al a nice press pass. It's going to be bleachers, Japanese breakfast, beach bunny, Claude blue to tiger and Longbeard. Of course, they'll be at the stone pony uh, proof of a vaccination or a negative COVID test within 72 hours is required for this festival. Uh, VIP upgrades are sold out. Uh, there still might be some tickets going on. So at, so check out thestonepony.com. You might be able to find out and check out all your social media outlets, Ticketmaster, all that jazz. Of course, I am Bill Bodkin. If you must follow me on social media, and I really don't know why, I am at Bodkin Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S, where I am just talking about pro wrestling. And most importantly, I am talking about thepopbreak.com, which is celebrating its 12th anniversary this month and it has been a labor of love that i have zero regrets on because i've been able to bring people who i've known from since college like mike and someone some random ass kid from a, a college in south jersey named al who became one of my best friends and i essentially married him and his wife and i've been there for all his great life events um you know that's one of the great things about this site and besides that for me personally i want you to check out everything we're talking about movies we got a great review of Shang-Chi. Um, if you're on the fence about that, read Ronnie Gorham's review of it. It's phenomenal. And we have a bunch of reviews coming this week. And, of course, we're talking music. We're talking uh, television. We're talking pro wrestling, anime, comic books, digital trends, video games, all that great stuff. Of course, we are also on Twitter at The Pop Break. We're on Instagram at The Pop Break. We'll be, in, we'll be updating that site very shortly, and we're at forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Twitter. If you love what you heard on this podcast, rate, review, subscribe on all the platforms you heard it on. We also have a bunch of podcast hubs, Pop Break TV, The Breakcast, and The Winner Still Is, and The Way Too Early Oscar Podcast. They're on all the platforms. You heard the song, which is Spotify, Anchor, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out all the great work we're doing. So next week, we're going to be coming back, talking about a little bit of what if. We're going to assume we're going to be talking about The Matrix. We're going to be talking about See Here Now Music Festival, which I mentioned at the top of the podcast. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch more. So I hope you guys tune in. For Mike Dworkers, for Al Manorino, this is Bill Bodkin saying thank you for joining us on the 73rd episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. 